Hello and welcome back to the Power of You podcast, proudly sponsored by Balance Reformer Boutique, based in Clane, County Kildare. Please check out Balance Reformer on Instagram for further information. This week, I am joined by the fabulous Catherine Baldwin. Catherine is a love and relationships coach. She is the author of How to Fall in Love, and we discuss all about her book, self-love, well-being, compassion, low self-worth, relationship dating disasters. We talk about 40, being single, no children, and how did this happen to me? Taking from Catherine's information, how she found full circle love, was able to commit, and now has the life that she thought she would have. This is a really nice podcast with lots of little nuggets of information. Enjoy. Catherine, you are very welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Catherine, we're going to jump straight in and we're going to talk a little about your book on how to fall in love. Catherine, would you like to tell me a little bit about the background of writing this book, How to Fall in Love? I started writing this book because I thought I had some really valuable information from my own journey that could help other people. And I felt completely inspired to write it all down and I wrote it quickly. And my journey that is outlined in this book and the information I have is all about the dating disasters that I had and the difficulties I had in forming a healthy and loving relationship. And the difficulties I had in having a healthy relationship with myself Mm -hmm. and in connecting to my feelings and trusting myself my challenges with self-esteem and self-confidence, and then all these relationship patterns, for example, falling for unavailable men, Mm. um, running away from available men, being single for long periods, um, dating drunk, you know, all these things that I used to do. Um, And, you know, when I turned, uh, when I was in my early 40s and still single with no children and clueless as to how to make a relationship work I really went for it I'm very determined and I decided I was going to figure it out so I did a lot of personal development therapy I studied counseling and psychotherapy I got a lot of support and I figured it out (laughs) and then I met my husband (laughs) then I met my partner and then we were on and off and, and that story is in the book we were on and off for a number of years because I kept running away Mm. and eventually we were on and then we got together and I moved to the coast here in Dorset and we bought a house and that's when I I wrote the book and then seven weeks after publication he proposed so then a few years later we got married amazing um, yeah it was it was my story of getting it wrong and then understanding where I was going wrong and learning from from the past and then seeing if I could help others with my book. Yeah, hugely powerful. And what I love about that is that obviously because it's your own story and your own journey, it's also real and true and relatable, but also hugely impactful, like you said, for others to read who've probably had similar experiences or can connect on certain pieces and think, wow, like that was me or I can see myself in that. And, you know, how you've also come full circle in your relationship with your husband, you know, and committed to a relationship that you're happy in. That's really yeah. amazing. It's amazing how many people say to me, um, you're telling my story 
or I can hear, I can hear my story in yours or are we twins or, you know, because I suppose, you know, I started writing a blog when I turned 40 and that was the first reaction from, from women. Okay. Because I was writing about being single, 40, no children, confused, bemused. How did I end up here? And I had Mm. a lot of messages from women saying, you're telling my story, which is so um, connecting, inspiring, comforting to know that we're not alone and really encouraging for me to carry on writing. Definitely. And can you tell me a little bit about the dating disasters for our listeners? (laughs) Let's start there. Oh, how long have you got? (laughs) Um, I suppose I used to be a very... uh, an adrenaline junkie and I really like living on the edge you know I, I used to be a foreign correspondent I've lived in Mexico and Brazil and you know I had a job that involved some danger and some and lots of stress and um, mm. so journalism is a very sort of high stress profession and and I, I was used to that feeling of, of, of feeling edgy unsafe insecure that was very comfortable for me it goes right back to my childhood growing up in an environment where I felt unsafe where it felt unpredictable so I I used to go for men who would create that feeling for me so I would feel insecure around them I would feel edgy around them they might have been alcoholics or drug addicts or workaholics or they might have been um commitment phobes or avoidance um push pull and and I I did the push pull too you know I want you I don't want you so I suppose I had um you know I'll just give you an example yeah. um because it involves I it involves um Northern Ireland actually um <laughs> but um it involves me uh, meeting a guy in London and then going I hope he's not listening and then maybe <laughs> he is, and then going um to meet him um over in Northern Ireland and we were out and I had booked us and paid for for us to stay in a really lovely hotel and we were out and he wanted to stay out he wanted to carry on on drinking and then he wanted to take some drugs and I'm thinking I've traveled over from England I've spent money on the hotel mm-hmm. and you want to go out with your mates and take drugs yeah. and I suppose at the time I didn't have enough self-esteem or confidence to to really see that that wasn't good for me, that I wasn't being valued or treated as a worthy person and Mm -hmm. I wasn't valuing myself. And, you know, I managed to convince him to come back to the hotel, but, you know, it wasn't a nice time because I didn't feel good. And I remember flying back and sitting on the um, train back from the airport and crying because yeah. it had struck me that I had just spent a really horrible weekend that I had put in so much effort and got so little in return. And I felt really sad. But you know, that wasn't the last that wasn't the last example of that. You know, I would I would date someone and um yeah, I mean I I, I would they would say, Oh, I I want to stay in and 
you know, I, I want to stay in and watch TV and, and I'm more, I want to go out and socialize, but I turn myself into that person in order to please them and in order to hold on to them. Oh, you want to stay in and watch TV or, or drink wine or whatever you want to do. Okay, then I'll do that, even though it's not who I am. Um, you know, I, I want to go out for dinner and go to the movies. And so, um, yeah, and then, and then I started dating, you know, it got better. <laughs> it got okay. better. But I, I kept choosing people who weren't available to commit to me, yeah. mm. who weren't emotionally available. Yeah. And what did you find out then that that meant for you, Catherine, when you were picking unavailable or emotionally unavailable men at the time, unbeknownst to yourself, obviously? Yeah. yeah. Well, after doing it many, many times mm. and getting some help around it and taking it to therapy. I had a light bulb moment, which yes. is what I like to share with my clients. And in my book, I had a light bulb moment, which is that if I keep falling for unavailable men, I am the common denominator in all those relationships. Mm -hmm. I am the one who is falling for these guys. Mm -hmm. So if I keep choosing unavailable men, could it be that I am emotionally unavailable myself? that I am actually afraid of true intimacy, afraid of true commitment, afraid of true relationship. I'm afraid of being hurt. I'm afraid of being left. I'm afraid of making a choice, make getting it wrong. So if I keep choosing men who are unavailable, I never have to face my fears because we can never have a fully intimate, committed relationship. They're never gonna propose mm -hmm. and I'm never gonna have to face my fear of getting it wrong, making a choice, being trapped, feeling suffocated, loving and losing, getting hurt. So it was convenient. Mm. Um, it was, but it was in my subconscious for a long time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That really, that's what you were attracting and attracted to so that you didn't have to, well, fully step into yourself and your reality. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And did that go on for a long time for you, Catherine? Do you feel? I'd say it went, it's probably began when I first started dating in my teens, although, you know, we don't really know what we're doing back then. Well, we never know what we're doing, but it probably began very young. And, um, you know, there was a lot through my late teens and twenties. I was, I was binge eating. I was binge drinking. I was totally disconnected from my feelings. So I didn't have anything to give anyone else either. Yeah. I was unavailable to myself. But yes, it went on all those years. And I'd say, um, you know, I moved back to England from Brazil when I was in my early 30s. And that sort of began my journey of self-discovery. So that's almost 20 years ago now. Um, but I was still dating unavailable people. And um, it was only sort of yeah, the relationship started getting better in my late 30s, early 40s. But yeah, it really took that light bulb moment of mm. I am the common denominator here. And then trying to understand why am I so afraid? Why mm. am I so afraid of love? Why am I so afraid of commitment? Mm. Absolutely. What did love mean to you, really? You know, or what did you experience love to be that made you fear it so much? Yeah. And I, I talk about this a lot and, you know, it doesn't matter what, what our unique experience is, but many of the people I, I work with and write for have a similar experience to mine. Um, yeah. A, and it, it doesn't matter when it starts, you know, it could even start in, in, in the womb or at birth when you don't feel emotionally 
connected to your caregivers, your parents, your mum, your dad. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's that sense of the people around me are emotionally unavailable or the people around me love me and then they leave. Mm. For example, my dad loves me, but then he moves out and my parents get divorced. So I have an experience of loving, but the other person is unattainable emotionally. Or I have an experience of loving, which leads to abandonment, rejection, loss. So love equals loss. Yeah. In my subconscious, love equals loss. So why would I want to do that on a committed, intimate level again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that loss obviously leads to pain. So it's that kind of connection, isn't it? Mm. That you're saying, why would I sign myself up for that? Knowing this is what what it's going to be, one of these. Yeah. And there is a bit of a common thread, isn't there, Catherine, around kind of low self-worth, though, throughout all of that time for you, like, you know, from teenage years up or maybe before that. But I suppose the importance of acknowledging how low self-worth impacts us, too, because, you know, currently so many people talk about it, I suppose, and acknowledge, you know, when they're lacking confidence or they have low self-esteem or low self-worth. And I just think it's important to name how much it ties into our relationship with ourselves and others and how it's fundamental, really. Absolutely. Tap high self-worth, yes. I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, my my low self-worth, it, you know, it goes right back to those stories I've just told of my early life. Like, am I lovable? Am I valuable? Mm-hmm. If if somebody, you know, if somebody loves me, then leaves, what does that say about me? Um, it must mean that there's something wrong with me. You know, I, you know, I've learned a lot about child development and, you know, as children, we think that it's our fault. Yeah, we we can't blame those around us. We can't pl- blame the adults because if we if they were fallible, then who's going to look after us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we might die. So we have to we have to see them in a good light, and that means we see ourselves mm-hmm. as the as the problem, as the faulty one. Mm-hmm. So I am there's something wrong with me, and gosh. <laughs> that phrase there's something wrong with me I've done something wrong I'm not lovable you know I can even feel how it resonates with me today you know in in life in work I've got something wrong someone's going to be shouting at me you know um so and then and then the self-harm comes from well it comes from not managing my feelings but you know binge eating and um, binge drinking and treating myself as you would treat nobody else who you cared for, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's been a long journey and it continues to be a journey of, you know, I think as women as well, we're so primed to achieve and accomplish and try and look good. And, mm-hmm. um, and we forget to take care of ourselves and we don't treat ourselves as valuable. And then that plays out in our relationships with others, with work, with friends with family with romantic relationships yeah absolutely there's so much pressure isn't there There's so much pressure for women I know there always has been but I think that everything kind of ups every time something changes you know um I was actually talking to somebody today and we were saying how we're aging and I mean we're not old but like we're just getting older (laughs) and we were saying how sometimes you can be allergic to that process and it's like why you know why can't we look our age but then we were saying sometimes though it's because there's so much out there now so that you don't look your age it's like go and it's nearly not acceptable you know it's like go and get the Botox go and get this go and get that because it's all available and you're like 
that's horrendous yeah. you know we need to be able to be and grow and age gracefully I mean it's a it's a real um honor you know a privilege not given to many so it's like yes. instead of denying it, it the natural process it's kind of embracing it isn't it but feeling like you can as women in particular I think the stigma is more there yeah well what's interesting for me I don't know how old you are but what's interesting for me is I I'm now in perimenopause and that's that brings a whole new load of challenges and yeah. and, and many of my clients are, are similar age to me and yeah. yeah I mean managing not only all the sort of changes and hormonal changes but the physical changes and yeah it's um it's a challenge you know it's a challenge that when I was started blogging at 40 gosh you know now here I am at 51 you know with a different set of challenges yeah yeah now, now with a husband and yeah. a nice house by the beach and a book published and a coaching business and, and a dog but with a different set of challenges um Absolutely. and with the thread of self-worth self-care mm. yeah yeah and that is it is it? I mean because we will always face the challenges at different times but the self-care aspect is huge isn't it Catherine and the ability to have self-care and real self-care can you share with me a little and for the listeners about what self-care means to you um, and what you find people can really get from having good self-care and how to have it mm, yeah good self-care so I try personally I try to meditate every morning and that could be as imperfect as <laughs> you know I normally put a meditation on which could be anything from 10 to 15 minutes now if I manage to I normally lie down if I manage to lie still yeah. for the whole time brilliant <laughs> but you know it's it's a commitment isn't it I do try to do that and for me that doing that the first thing in the morning before I look at my phone or yeah. check email or check social media is really important and I try and do especially perimenopausal try and do a little bit of some form of of exercise so mm. I mean any like outdoors so I have a dog so that involves walking outdoors um I have the sea nearby so I swim in the sea but oh. you know when I feel sort of getting that I'm getting bogged down with work or getting stressed or anxious, self-care for me is removing myself from that situation and going outside, mm. being in nature, lightening up a little bit, cuddling the dog. Um, so it's having healthy boundaries with myself. So meditation, exercise, um, doing a little bit of strengthening for my body because of my age and stage um all imperfectly you know yeah. um trying to trying to connect with other human beings because I work at home yeah. um so self-care you know involves trying and during the day perhaps to or, or in the evening at some point during the day to have contact with people that it, not just my husband you know yeah um and I sing in a choir so I've been oh, doing lovely. that for just over a year and um I find this very challenging, but I go on a on a Wednesday morning, um, which means I take Wednesday morning off work, which for someone who's always been quite a workaholic is quite challenging. Yeah. But for me, that is connection, out breath. So you you do a lot of breathing out when you're singing. Yeah. Uh, connection with others, laughter, uh, gives me perspective. Totally mindful, takes me away from from my my problems. So, you know, some for, for me, that self-care, some form of social social um, activity and singing is really good. Um, 
and and you know I find it challenging like my you know I used to binge eat I used to binge drink I don't do those things anymore I would say the one thing I still struggle with is compulsive working yeah. working too hard okay. um so you know as you know well as as many mm. of your listeners might might know you know when you when you're multi multi creative and you you know I write books I yeah. I do social media I coach people I speak to audiences there's always something to do and yeah. um so having healthy boundaries around my time around work how many hours am, am I going to work where's my free time um speaking up for myself that self-care standing up for myself I'm having mm. to do that right now I find it really challenging you know setting boundaries with people speaking up for ourselves being strong courageous that is all self-care yeah and it's important because I think well on a really deep level who else is going to care for us you know yeah we we might have friends and, and partners and so forth, or we, we might we might be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, um, we have to care for ourselves first. And especially, you know, when I'm coaching women who are looking for a healthy relationship, we need to fill that gap first for ourselves. Like we need to care for ourselves first, because otherwise we'll put all these needs onto this person. Mm-hmm. Care for me, love me, you know, treat me nicely and if we're not treating ourselves nicely then a will attract unhealthy people b Mm -hmm. will expect the other person to be some sort of miracle worker who's going to fix everything for us yeah um so so the i talk about what is known as the fantasy of perfect care so if we've had a difficult childhood and we weren't consistently cared for we will then go out into the world with this fantasy that we can get that perfect care back from other people so I'll look for a man who will care for me absolutely perfectly and if he makes a mistake then he's out Um, and we have to come to terms with the reality that we'll never get we'll never get what we didn't get as a child that ship has sailed we have to give it to ourselves in Mm. in healthy ways self-love self-care and when we're in a good position we can then attract a healthy partner yeah and they'll care for us too but we don't want to take this massive void to them yeah say fill it absolutely so when we're in a healthy space ourselves that's when you're going to meet or be open to meeting the person who's more healthy for you to have a healthy relationship exactly yeah exactly because I you know from my experience I you know I tried it the other way around a lot yeah (laughs) it didn't go too well yeah yeah. And I think you're right. Like you said earlier, like so many people do connect with you and your story because of that. I think, you know, so many women can say, yes, oh, my gosh, that was me to like disaster relationship, disaster date, you know, all this kind of cycle may be similar. But I think sometimes to kind of sit and go, right, why is this happening? Why is that pattern continuous? And like you said, they're kind of about being able to let go of the past, you know, knowing that you can't repair to some degree that piece, as in nobody in the future is going to give you what you didn't have. Mm. Um, But that's nearly part of the key, isn't it? Just having that awareness to see yourself and like to go to people like yourself or me or people who are therapists help who help, you know, kind of on that journey to support people just to really find love in themselves and then, you know, hopefully in others. Absolutely. Because, you know, for me, 
getting support well valuing ourselves enough to get mm. support you know I, I I did I mean you know there quite a few things that I didn't um do to help myself but th- that I really committed to I really understood that I deserved and I needed support mm-hmm. um so I'd say you know 20 years on and off um you know I have invested in myself yeah in professional support or and 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 other types of support invested time and money um but it's made a massive difference and I think often people uh hesitate don't they like Mm. you know am am I worthy of this investment or we're scared we're scared sometimes to change to move forwards to change um and it takes time you know some people in in my case, some people might come on one of my retreats and and then or, or or they might do a little bit of coaching and then they'll come on a retreat and and they but they might come back they might come back and then and 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 then you know a lot of these women are now in healthy relationships or married and I yeah. think you know everyone goes at their own pace. Um, Absolutely, and taking that first step though is key. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and changing the language around it all too, isn't it? You know, I think when you said there about sometimes when you hit a certain age, you might say, okay, why am I, how did this happen? Why am I in this space? Maybe not in a relationship and thought maybe I would have been or, you know, whatever the challenge is when it comes to a relationship. I think you're often kind of, in some ways, looking from the outside in, we can go, oh yeah, well, it makes sense, you know, maybe career took over or maybe, you know, you're just filling up, I suppose, with distractions. But there is that piece of sitting and saying, changing the language around when you said, am I worthy of support or time to to put the effort in? And that's such a gorgeous way to say it and to view it. And I think that it's changing the language to that, isn't it? Instead of oh, there's just something wrong with me or I'll never meet somebody or I have met somebody, but I'm not worth it. You know, it's it's changing your mindset and your language. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, I absolutely love my therapy. Yeah. It's a absolutely. gift. It's a gift to, you know, to to have someone help me figure things out, understand myself, yeah. face my challenges with courage um you know and it's a real gift for for us to support other people too and to see them committing and changing um yeah it's 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 amazing and you know I think sometimes it is hard to value ourselves and to believe that we're worthy um but it's about looking at what do we really want in our lives and what is really important? What is really important? Mm. And for me, I think I got, you know, as I say, I've made a lot of mistakes, but I think I got that really clear, mm-hmm. really clear when eventually, you know, when the time was right, I got really clear on, I would really like to be in a healthy and loving relationship. It's my number one priority. I've done the career, you know, I'm whatever else I've traveled the world. Yeah. <laughs> I really want this. And and I went for it yeah and um yeah and actually when I decided to go for it to be honest it didn't actually take that long and I think that's what I see with some of my clients when they decide to go for it and commit doesn't actually take that long yeah yeah which is so interesting isn't it 
Yeah, I mean, it might take, it might take, it depends. It might take time to do the, what I call the foundational work. Yeah. Connection to self, self self-esteem, self-confidence, awareness. But, you know, we're all different. I think that it's the commitment and then you set the wheels in motion and then the train starts moving and then it's unstoppable. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, when you prioritize it and you're, you're ready for it and you're engaged in it and you're just on it then. So then it's like, well, why not? You know, when you're there, it's like, it's all the right time. Mm. Do you thoroughly enjoy this kind of personal question, but do you thoroughly enjoy your relationship now in a way that single life might've been, obviously it was different, yeah it's interesting because um you know I had a very interesting fun often fun and sometimes painful single life yeah um you know I lived abroad for many years I lived in London for 13 years lots of friends um good career and um my life's very different now you know I live in Dorset by the sea it's a much smaller place um and sometimes I can think that I miss that sort of you know busy busy um very sociable life. Um, and I think the question is, um, you know, I, rem- I I can see myself in London, like going out all the time, going out all the time and seeing, meeting loads of new people. And, um, you know, I spoke, I speak a few languages. So I always like meeting people from different countries. But in the end, I get on the night bus <laughs> on my own. Yeah. And I go home and, and I go home to my flat and that's fine for a while or for years, or for however long you want it to be. But in the end, like, I I didn't want to go home to my empty flat on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I especially didn't want to go be on my own when big life stuff happened, like when my dad died when I was single, you know. Um, and so the difference now is I can go out here, I can meet people, I can be sociable, I can go to the beach, I can go to yoga, I can go to choir. And then I come home and there's there's someone there um there's someone there's a there's a presence there's a continual presence which is something that was a bit missing in my childhood actually you know there's Mm. a stability there's a a steadiness um and the there are the huge benefits you know I experienced the death of my dad when I was single very single (laughs) I just feel very single I felt very single um felt very alone um I experienced the death of my mum, married, and fortunately with my partner at that time off work. And okay. it was a vastly different experience um, having him by my side with loads of time mm. together and for him to support me. Um, so, you know, it's for the good, it's for the sickness and the health, it's for the good times, and it's for the challenges. Um, and we have a lot of fun together. Um, we laugh a lot, you yeah. know. Um, so, yeah. So obviously there are differences, and I, I, I wouldn't sort of go back on no. on those single years that were, you know, colourful, very colourful. Yeah. But we we get to an age and stage, don't we, when we think, okay, now I'd like to share this with someone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it. Exactly. It's it's not that one's better or worse than the other. It's more, isn't it a case of just the progression of life and kind of maybe where you find yourself? 
yeah and then that we are relational beings like aren't we you know from the womb you know we are I think we thrive and survive better with relationships of all kinds you know it doesn't have to be just that romantic one but that it is kind of we're built that way yeah fundamentally to a degree so yeah. it's just really special. And Catherine, can I ask you just before we finish, um, what would you say is one of the main or key things to have a healthy relationship once you're in the relationship? Like what what would you say to your clients once they're there and they have the healthy relationship, how to maintain it or, you know, keep giving it life? That's my next book, How to Stay in Love. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but um, the first thing that came to me is communication. Um, I think we are different. Um, we're, we're different beings. We're all unique and we need to try and understand each other. So whether we're with a man, a woman, a person, whoever we're with, you know, we want to try and understand how they communicate and understand how we communicate. Um, the other thing which is absolutely key and com- and ties in with communication is self-awareness. Because mm. I think without my self-awareness, well, I know without my self-awareness, I would have wrecked this relationship and wrecked this marriage a long time ago Mm. you know I I I can you know I don't know I just think I um I can be impatient um I can be controlling I can be judgmental (laughs) um and without my self-awareness without being able to stop you know there are times when I say something to my husband hopefully not so much anymore but when I have said something to him and I've looked at his face and his face has totally dropped. Yeah. And I've realized I said the wrong thing there or yeah. I was being controlling or I was being mm-hmm. critical or I was being judgmental. And in the past, I would have just carried on. Yeah. And I would have kept pushing him and pushing him away, not knowing that in my deep in my subconscious is this desire to self-sabotage, to wreck mm-hmm. my relationship. Mm-hmm. But now with my self-awareness, very quickly I can go oops you know okay I see your reaction mm-hmm. I see I've overstepped the mark here I'm going to apologize immediately yeah. and um you know yeah. I know there's that very old phrase about not going to bed on an argument but I think it, I think it's true you know we I try I mean we don't argue very much but if if I've done that one of those things where I really need to apologize or, or if he has we normally just say sorry you know yeah and it, it happens fast um repair quickly yeah repair quickly yeah so yeah self-awareness helps with with really good communication definitely definitely and I agree completely communication is key and I suppose with that like you said the self-awareness has to be there in order to recognize how your behavior is impacting another or how we just show up isn't it yeah. in our relationships yeah, yeah yeah Catherine thank you so much for joining me today I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat thank you Jen it was lovely to speak with you and well done for doing this podcast it's brilliant oh thank you thank you for listening to the power of you podcast embracing you to be empowered by your real self each day with more knowledge and awareness for more information on my beautiful bespoke ladies retreats and relationship workshops please check out my Instagram page at Jen underscore Cameron underscore. And also for further therapeutic services that I offer, check out www.jencameron.org. Most importantly, don't forget to tune in next week.
Adios. XO.